Welcome to All Fired Up. I'm Louise, your host, and this is the podcast where we talk all things anti-diet. Has diet culture got you in a fit of rage? Is the injustice of the beauty ideal getting your knickers in a twist? Does Fitspo make you want a Spitspo? Are you ready to hurl if you hear one more weight loss tip? Are you ready to be mad, loud, and proud? Well, you've come to the right place. Let's get all fired up. Welcome back to another episode of All Fired Up. Gosh, I've missed you. Every two weeks just seems like a little bit too far away, but I do have more energy and I think this is a really good balance for me. So thank you for bearing with me and thanks for all of your lovely and supportive letters, emails, responses to the decision to go every fortnight from weekly. I kind of have realized how much of a load I was carrying. So isn't that interesting how sometimes we don't realize what we're doing until we're deep in it. So you guys are going to absolutely love this week's episode. I certainly had such a great time having this conversation. So the topic this week is weight loss for millennials, because there's a real difference, isn't there, in how millennials as a target market are approached as opposed to, I guess, slightly more vintaged folks like me from Generation X. And so this week, I had an awesome conversation with Megan Bray. She's a dietitian from Queensland from Food, Mind and Body. And she's, I guess, a millennial. And so I should probably give you her Instagram handle. I think that's what we call it. Oh my God, how old am I sounding today? So on Instagram, she is Megan Bray underscore dietitian. So Megan's absolutely livid about how millennials are being marketed to from diet culture and weight loss companies. And we had just an extraordinary conversation all about the ins and outs of, well, we started with one specific weight loss company, which is like a weight loss app called Noom. And then we moved on to like the rise of the millennial marketing, like the social influencer and how that's sort of infecting everybody with weight loss culture and just really unhelpful stuff. So without further ado, I give you me and the wonderful Megan. So Megan, welcome and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. So excited. So tell me, what's firing you up? Well, I'm getting pretty fired up because I spend a lot of time on Instagram and I'm getting pretty fired up about some of the Noom ads that I keep seeing. Just super frustrating with the type of marketing. And I guess the more time I spend on Instagram, I'm seeing more and more of these influencers popping up, which seem to be getting paid to promote all this stuff and people are just kind of lapping it up. And I think it's really, really unfortunate that we're being marketed to in this way. Yeah. I don't get Noom ads popping up in my Instagram because I might be of a slightly higher vintage than you. (laughs) (laughs) And I do think that's it. They're definitely targeting a specific demographic, that's for sure. Absolutely, because you're basically a millennial, right? Yes, yes, I am. (laughs) And so as a millennial, you're being marketed to in a millennial way. I like I have seen the Noom ads, I guess every now and then they, they do come across. I haven't seen any on Instagram, but on Facebook they come up. And so because you got in contact with me because you sent me like an, a picture through Instagram <laughs> Messenger and you're all irate about the picture. What was it that you sent me? So it was a picture of this kind of thin, quite young woman sitting on a bus and it said, you know, I lose weight on the bus. And then it was Noom, a smarter way to lose weight. And I just find, or A, I find it really frustrating in that I've actively cultivated a social media feed, which doesn't have this kind of stuff. 
yet it's somehow able to get through the algorithms, whether it's based on age or my gender or something. And it really, really infuriated me that we have someone sitting in this picture who's incredibly young and of a, you know, of a BMI that's considered normal, even though that BMI frustrates me, that's for another discussion. And, (laughs) you know, like you can't get away from this stuff. Mm, I know it's such a damaging message just in one image all at once. So someone who is already the cultural ideal still, you know, being encouraged to lose weight. And then there's this weight loss message of, you know, do it through your phone, do it on an app, do it through Noom. Yeah, definitely. And you can tell it's really targeted at younger people as well, because one of their taglines is, you know, you're no longer on MySpace. So why are you still using Weight Watchers? And it's like, for most people, MySpace, you know, was most millennials, MySpace was part of their use and now they've moved on to something else. So you can just tell that that's the group of people that they're really, really going for this really, this young, vulnerable group. Yeah, it's really shit. And thank you for explaining that ad to me because as a Generation X, I had no idea what MySpace was. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. It was very much used by uh, kind of millennials when they were in high school. It was Facebook before Facebook. Mm, Yeah, yeah. I do vaguely remember hearing about it. But yeah, when you go to Noom's homepage, it does actually say this is the weight loss app for millennials. So they're blatant about it. This is the target market. This is who they're going after. And then it says the last weight loss program you'll ever need because we all quote unquote need one, don't we? And this is the last one because we're going to lose weight for good on Noom. Absolutely. Because all diets work, right? Oh, especially, well, you know what? Probably not unless they're Noom. But it says (laughs) (laughs) in such bullshit, it says we've helped millions of people to lose weight and keep it off. And that's what really got my blood boiling because this is a bullshit statement and it's just marketing and it really, really sort of got up my nose. So I, it's all these claims. It says 45 million lives changed, sustained results, 78% of people lose weight on Noom and then form new habits in just 16 weeks. I mean, geez, it's just, it's promising like weight loss nirvana all through your phone. Absolutely. And all you got to do is just use an app. It's, frustratingly appealing and you know their marketing is so aggressive that I think if you're on social media the and you're a millennial you'd be coming across these kind of ads and the stats sound convincing but you know you've unpacked this a little bit but they have some quote-unquote science or research behind their app and it doesn't look very convincing no no yeah me being me I did look for the actual science behind Noom. And, you know, another fascinating aspect, I guess, of marketing to millennials is they didn't seem to think they needed to state anywhere that this is evidence-based. They just put the grabs there. So I had to go into like Google searching mode and look at Noom and scientific research. And I actually have found some papers so good on them for actually doing a little bit of research. But when you dig into that data, it's another kind of, oh God, this is not the revolution that they're selling. This is pretty much just another another day in Dietland. They've just wasted all of this money researching stuff we already knew. But there were a few interesting things to come out. So there's this thing called, it's a 2016 paper in a journal called Scientific Reports. And it tracked everybody who downloaded the Noom app in between 2012 and 2014. Because Noom came out in, I think, 2010. And it's like, it's big. It's like, it's the top grossing app in Google Play. Like, it's probably one of the world's most popular weight loss apps. 
So it's big business. And in this paper, they're talking about the study. So just lots of interesting things. So in that paper, they're saying they've sold more than 10 million downloads of this. And the study is examining like that two-year period. And there was like 36,000 people that they followed. So this is a huge sample of people and followed them for a period of 18 months. But they divided it into like initial to long-term. So the first 26 weeks and then the last from 26 weeks to the 18-month period. And that's about as far as I got in terms of actually making sense of this as a proper scientific study, because basically it's not set out like it should be for proper science. It's very hard Absolutely. to... Yeah, you can't dig under the data and find any information out, just sort of uh, vague statements. So they said that on average, people use the app for 270 days, 22% had reported more than 10% weight loss but they never give you any more information about exactly how much weight people were reporting losing or what actually happened to these people. Like they've just sort of skimmed the data and reported the good stuff. So it's not very... Absolutely. It's, it's a very convoluted way of kind of trying to express the, uh, the data there. It doesn't really make any sense when you unpack it. No, no. One thing that was interesting, they talk about three groups of people that were followed for 39 weeks. So they talk about the succeeders. These are people who reported weight loss and they call them succeeders. We don't know how many people were in that group, (laughs) but they're the succeeders. Then there's two other groups. They call them stationary, which basically means those people didn't lose weight in spite of using the app. And then they had a third group called yo-yo who initially lost weight and then basically put it back on. So that's really interesting, isn't it, to actually see you know, that there's a proportion of people who use this stuff that will not change their weight and then there's a proportion that will lose it and gain it back again within that 39-week period. So but we don't know, who, you know how many people are in which group, which is kind of annoying. But just the fact that they're showing Absolutely. the thing and it's not reported on the front page of their name thing might lead to weight regain. You know, and, and then yeah. it kind of finishes at the 18 months. So, you know, we look at the weight loss and it kind of shows that baseline BMI, as an example, for the females was 28 and then it finished up at kind of 26.5. Yeah, mm. and that's some of the stats they've got there. And it's like, well, that's within an 18-month time frame. You know, we still don't know what the follow-up is after that. and. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess how much is that outside of normal fluctuations? Oh, anyway, yeah. look, it's it's not big, and it's like you said, like we know what happens after eighteen months. We know. Um, the last podcast that we were talking about, you know, why do people report this like it's a revolution when then it's not, <laughs> and this is not long term. We know what's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, this is not the first app, obviously, that people use to track their food. And we've seen plenty of terrible things happen with other apps. So it's mm. it's pretty crazy that they kind of expect it to be anything, any other different outcome. And I think mm. it was interesting when you talk about the successful group and it's like what made them more successful. And, you know, it was that they were logging more often and weighing more often. And it's like, okay, so in order to be successful, you need to develop disordered eating habits, apparently. And, you know, we know that sets you up for so many problems. Yeah. Yeah. Well, basically the succeeder group, as they call them, probably what you and I might look at as the disordered group or, you know, like they're white knuckling the weight loss. They're like they're reporting into this phone police morning, noon and night and being quite rigid with their intake. This is not new. 
you know, the more vigilant you are with recording and logging, the more weight you might lose, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stay off. And also no one asked any questions here about mental health or impact on relationship with food. It's really disturbing. Yeah, it doesn't even get mentioned at all. What was really interesting was the weight ranges of people who were downloading Noom. So that's some demographic information that they did provide. When you open that part up, it the biggest group of people who were downloading Noom, 38% of their females were in the so-called normal BMI range. So close to 40% of people were already in that 18 to 25 BMI range. You know, the range where you don't have to lose weight. And I'm using air quotes left, right and centre here. (laughs) But they're targeting a very vulnerable group of people and that's a huge concern. Yeah, it's just, and it it really does get me emotional. Kind of, I think growing up as a young person in the age of social media, it's just so tough knowing that you access this stuff all the time and you're getting constant messages. And the fact that a company is overtly going out there and targeting young, vulnerable people who are of a, you know, quote unquote, healthy weight range, range. like it's just absolutely sickening. So I tried it out, right? I went on the Noom website and I pretended that I was a millennial who wanted to lose like a huge amount of weight. (laughs) Like I put in that I wanted to go from 80 kilos to 50 kilos and it just swanned through like I'd said nothing unusual. And apparently my plan is on its way. Wow. Wow. (laughs) And you know, like who's kind of, yeah, I guess like who's looking out for the risk of these people? No one. I I did get a message and it popped up on the screen. It said my current BMI is 25.5 and my target BMI is Mm -hmm. 16. Wow. (laughs) And there was no, no red flags around that? No little red flag went up and said, do you think, you know, please don't do this. Are you okay? (laughs) It was. Absolutely. um, Here's the contact number for someone who can actually support you. Oh, no, no. It's just supported. So this, yeah, this Noom thing is hideous. And, but it like, it is everywhere. It's like a creeping kind of illness that's getting all over the place. So in the 2016 scientific report, it said that 10 million have been downloaded, but on the website today, it says that 45 million have been downloaded. So bloody hell. Yeah. If, if those stats are correct. A lot of traction. Well, yeah. And they're making a ton of money and they're putting that money into, like you said, stalking and connecting with more and more millennials. And that's kind of, I guess, that sort of segues to the other thing that I've been getting more and more frustrated with on Instagram is kind of the rise of the influencer. So I guess an influencer is, you know, someone who has, depends, but probably, you know, 100, 200,000 followers on Instagram. So they're ultimately deemed this influencer. And then companies are targeting these people specifically in order to promote their products. And it, it really frustrates me because they're kind of seemingly normal people. And that's why companies are going for them is because they've identified that millennials don't want to feel like things are being sold to them. So marketing companies have had, had to get a bit more savvy. So they contact these people who you know, are popular, have a social media following, and they either pay them to promote products or give them products and then ask for posts in return. And then ultimately, we're seeing more and more of this stuff get through to all of our face um, Instagram news feeds and it's kind of subtly marketing so many different products to it. And you're saying you don't like that? Hate it. Absolutely <laughs> hate it. 
<laughs> I don't know where they get that idea that millennials don't like being advertised to. And I mean, where's the research that say millennials love the influencer style of advertising for me. I mean, but I'm just an old Gen Xer, but I just find it really manipulative and quite irritating when people are just plugging their products. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, and I think too, you know, we see a lot more of this. It's hard because social media, it's like, even though we know it's not real life, I think there's still this kind of perception among young people that it's not real life, but there's actually people who make money and have a life and all they do is kind of travel and do fun things. And I genuinely think for a a lot of young people, that's something they aim for. That's kind of the dream is to be able to work remotely and be able to get paid to just go to certain places or try certain products. It's just, I guess, it's really hijacked the way that we are marketed to and it's very subtle and it's very sneaky. And, you know, I guess that's coupled with the fact that the stats show that nearly 60% of Instagram users are 18 to 29. So again, it just keeps coming back to that certain age group. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? That millennial dream of, you know, the career of your dream is to be an influencer and it looks possible yeah. if you can be an influencer. So that's how it kind of keeps growing and growing and more and more people are aspiring to it. But if you combine that with like the fact that Instagram is so visual and so much about appearance, it's a hornet's nest. No wonder we're seeing such a huge increase in things like eating disorders and body image concern and success of these stupid products like Noom, which are promising, you know, that you'll look even skinnier if you use our app. Absolutely. So what kinds of things have you seen floating around Instagram on your millennial account that have bothered you? So one of the big ones that I see a lot is various skinny teas, i.e. laxative water. And what? it's really, really <laughs> infuriating. <laughs> yeah, yep. So what? there are these teas out there and they essentially contain lower doses of like a laxative. They will make it into this kind of flavorful drink and then some celebrity or slim person sitting on a beach will drink it. And all it really does is dehydrate people. And it's kind of like a detox, essentially. It's in, in lots of different places. Have you heard of the brand Skinny Me Tea? I have actually heard of Skinny Me Tea. A few people have actually sent me like outraged pictures of Skinny Tea going, what the hell? Yeah. Like, like you said, it's like a, basically a laxative in a really funky package yeah. called a detox. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's ridiculous. Like people are, you know, saying, well, I lost X amount of kilos over this many days and I just feel fabulous. And it's like, really? Because all you've done is, is dehydrate yourself and drink laxatives like why are you paying exorbitant amount of money for this and so I don't have a massive following on Instagram but I have enough to get some of these kind of emails and it infuriates me because I have a very clear I am a non-diet dietitian and eating disorder dietitian on my profile and I cannot tell you how many times I've had people from these laxative tea companies contact me about would you like a free sample and we'll give you some free products just if you can post a photo of yourself using this on your feed and they do this all the time to people oh my god that must give you the shits <laughs> absolutely and because and that's the worst part is they clearly don't even read what you're about and I think that's the thing for other people who maybe like I have some pretty clear like uh, values around this stuff and if I ever was to align with a company or a product it would have to you know sit with my values in this space and the hard part is they essentially offer you free products or or money. And, you know, for a young person who's just 
you know, on their social media and maybe has a few followers, that can be really appealing to think that you're getting money or getting free products. And then another thing is because there seems to be this currency of social media, like how many followers do you have? If you're then seen to be being contacted by companies to market a product, that's almost like its own form of social currency. And it just kind of perpetuates the whole problem. Yeah, no one's calling it and it just keeps growing and growing and growing and it's just inflating and inflating. It's just, it's a really shit model, basically, I think. Yeah. Because it's nothing to do with quality. I mean, you know, in Generation X's time, I'm not going to say advertising was full of quality, but I guess in my day, qualified people weren't exploiting product sales quite so much. So it was just a lot easier to navigate. And they just seem, it seems like there's, there's no room to kind of pull back on it. Cause like for you, for example, if you pull back and say, no, I'm not going to do that, then less offers come in and less followers happen. So it's almost like the people who are worth listening to are the ones with the smallest voices and the ones, you know, with the, like literally selling shit is like the ones pushed all over the place. It's outrageous. And this is like, I actually have a perfect example of that kind of my history of having Instagram in that, you know, I was encouraged by a fellow dietitian to start my Instagram page. And, you know, I've spoken to lots of people about this and most people have encouraged me to get into my bikini and to talk about certain products because people like those photos and people like that gets more engagement from people. And I've noticed people who've done that and they, you know, the dietitians among them just kind of use their body or their looks to gain more followers. I see them with followers into the hundreds of thousands, yet find it to 10,000. And mm. my part of me thinks, geez, do I need to be doing that in order to get my message out there further because I want to reach more people? But then it's like, no, no, I definitely don't want to be doing those things. So I can also empathize with the people who are getting sucked into this. But I think we really need to be recognizing it's how problematic it actually is. And it's yeah. really unfortunate to see people who have such incredible qualifications getting sucked into marketing like yoga mats and skinny teas <laughs> and really overpriced protein bars mm-hmm. that are no better for you than just some sort of cheaper, normal food that you can get from Coles. Yeah, it's exploitive like just on so many levels and you just put it really beautifully about how we really we need to be thinking much more deeply about okay it might get myself up that ladder a little bit more like more attention more followers and all I have to do is use my body like basically get mostly naked or use my culturally supported good looks to sell that message that's just you know I'm the mum of two girls from I can't remember what that generation's now being called Anyway, (laughs) I don't want that for them. I don't want to say, you know what, girls, you can go out and get your degree in nuclear science, but if you put a bikini on, things are going to be easier. Like you'll get more followers. I don't want that. Yeah, and it's it's like it's kind of, like for me, it really reinforces kind of some of the issues around women in society, like that our body gets put out there before our brains. And I guess with Instagram being so visual, that is, I guess, that all ties in together on that platform. Hmm. And I couldn't agree more because now like I work with clients with eating disorders and I can't tell you how many times I've had to feel questions from people who are actually my colleagues about how many times I've had to feel questions about people who are my colleagues saying, hey, I'm trying to follow evidence-based advice here, but then there's this dietitian over here 
getting a kit off and, you know, showing me the six pack. So I'm a bit confused because I'm trying to trust the, the evidence and the science, but it's getting really mixed up in these mm-hmm. unfortunate messages. Yeah, yeah, we need to, you know, I guess like alongside the rise of the Fitzbo model and just uh, this kind of plague that we have of very unqualified people on Instagram in bikinis, I can see why qualified dietitians, for example, might think that that will give them a leg up. But exactly the point, right? What kind of message do we give to clients if we're mixing up evidence-based information with nipple shots? It's just not cool. Mm. We need to literally draw the line in the sand. And, you know, maybe wouldn't it be nice if we could have like, you know, health professionals clothes on and then Fitzbo models clothes off. It would be an easy way to detect, you know, bullshit and non-bullshit. But when our qualified professionals start getting their kits off, it's not helping us. Yeah, for sure. I think it's quite like it's quite complicated in the sense that like I know when I went through uni, I was really encouraged to get active on social media, but it was being taught to me by people who, to be honest, are probably not that savvy in social media themselves. So yeah. it was like, hey, social media is a thing. You should be on it. But there was no kind of guidance around what's the best way to do that. So I think a lot of younger students and younger professionals have kind of taken that in their stride, but they've not actually had any support around how to kind of effectively manage a social media. And yes, there are guidelines through DAA, and obviously I'm speaking through kind of the lens of a dietitian here. There are guidelines, but you know, I really don't think they're that helpful. <laughs> it's basically that it's always got to be kind of evidence-based. And I don't think it really mentions anything about body or anything like that but also they're not enforced in any way to my knowledge but to be fair I've never really wanted to toe that line (laughs) I I always try and share evidence evidence evidence-based information and I I like keeping my clothes on but yeah it's been a real I think it's just a really confusing time where our teachers Mm -hmm. maybe aren't totally up to speed on it but then we're thinking hey we've got to be part of this somehow and Mm -hmm. then it's all getting really 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 confused yeah it's all moving very quickly very quickly and quicker than we can keep up with. The repercussions and ramifications are, you know, remain to be seen, don't they? It's it's quite, it, it is fascinating and interesting, but quite daunting at the same time. Wouldn't it be nice yeah. to get social media training that actually included, you know, some thoughtful discussion on the portrayal of your body on social media? Because we really need to think about, I mean, particularly for dietitians who work primarily with people who have weight concerns and food concerns, it really does bear thinking about, you know, if your social media is constantly, subtly pairing appearance and body to talk about food or talk about moving and exercise, you're just reinforcing an appearance ideal. And what we look like has not much to do at all with how healthy we we can be, you know, but promoting that message all the time does a huge amount of damage. Absolutely. And it really, you know, markets to people's insecurities rather than, you know, marketing to that person's values or their true self. And, you know, it really takes us away from actually helping the individual. And I know for me, most of my clients do not want to sit in front of someone who is perfect. They Hmm. want me to be a little bit messy. They want me to be Hmm. me. And they've explicitly said that, that it's nice to be around someone who isn't a dietitian that's all about food and body and this and that because humans naturally compare and that's not what you should be doing in a session when you're working with your dietitian. Yeah, yeah, the session with a dietitian should not be an exercise in appearance comparison and feeling not good enough 
And nor should exactly. treatment outcomes be, well, my teeth are now as white as hers, thanks to her charcoal toothpaste. It's <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, she's also promoted me some spiky yoga mat that apparently de-stresses and all this other weird stuff that they've got going. Yeah, evidence-based. Like, where's the evidence? But anyway, that's, that's, that's another one. Hey, they put money in your bank account. Those yeah. marketing companies do. So maybe that's the reason. Yeah, it's evidence that I think it's useful for me. So I will sell it to my followers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but some of them are like when you talk about how, you know, your clients quite like the fact that you're not quote unquote perfect. There is this trend, isn't there, on Instagram now about like some of these bikini wearing fitspo and dietitian people are now talking about, oh, look how imperfect I am. Look, I'm bloated or look, I'm not wearing makeup. So I'm body positive that that is happening too. Oh, and that's another thing that really, really gets me is they, I think it's a hashtag realogram and often people will post these side-by-side photos. And to be honest, some people think this is a positive movement, but I find it really problematic because it'll post kind of this quote-unquote perfect photo with the lighting and the angles and whatever and they look fit and toned or whatever it might be or thin. But then they post this kind of real photo where maybe the lighting is not so good and maybe, you know, they're not on the right angle but the thing that really shits me about that is most of these people are still living in very lean socially acceptable bodies and they're saying look at me this is me and I'm real and I'm imperfect and it's like hold on like you you don't have to walk through life being a body that society doesn't deem acceptable and often when they say well look I've actually got roles and it's like that's just skin that's not actual Mm. Mm-hmm. That's not actual fat. And I think it actually reinforces the message of needing to be thin. I don't think it actually helps. Like it might help kind of people living in a socially acceptable body that feel uncomfortable about their body. Mm-hmm. But for so many people who are not living in a body that looks like that, it doesn't help them at all. And I'm a big comment trawler. I am a big, mm-hmm. big Instagram stalker. So I often read the comments and it'll be like, oh my God, babe, you're so right. And I can't help but click on these people's profiles and probably giving out too much of my weird, uh, weird habits here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always like really thin people that are like, oh, I totally hear you. And I've never seen a comment from someone living in a larger body going, oh, this is really helpful for me. No, because the, the comments from people in larger bodies would have lots of F words in them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, they're too busy being angry at themselves for not looking like that person. Oh, and yeah. I kind of experience, because I live in a socially acceptable body. And so I kind of am constantly thinking about this in my head about, how can we sort of support people who are living in a larger body and also allowing myself not to feel guilty for having a thin body as well? Yeah. Like I've noticed that that's something that this has brought up for me is because it's like, well, why can't I post photos in mm. my bikinis on my Instagram? And it's like, because it's not necessary. I think we've all got to ask ourselves, why do we want to post these photos? Mm. And it always comes back to that, like, is it helpful for my audience? And like what we know now with the Fitspo evidence, it's like, no, it's actually not helpful for someone to see a photo mm. of someone in bikinis mm. being mm. quote unquote fit or lean or, yeah. or whatever that might be. We have to be aware, like if we really are kind of non-diet warriors and if we really are looking at social change and social justice, then we have to look at the impact of our social media posts on people in bodies of all shapes and sizes. And be really aware of things like weight stigma 
and the erasure of the voices of people in larger bodies. It's hard, but I wish more people would take that message on because instead I think you get a lot of pushback and defensiveness from those, you know, naturally thin or whatever kind of fits by people saying, well, why can't I be in a bikini? There's just sort of no kind of reflection on the impact and the messaging. Because, you know, one thing too with those little Instagram look, you know, how to get a six pack, it's all just lighting and suntan cream or whatever, is that they then return to their mostly perfect shots. So <laughs> they're yeah. always, it's like, well, look, I'll give you like a little kind of snippet of, look, I'm not perfect. And then I'll go back to being perfect the vast majority of the time, which means I'm going back to like giving you this underhanded message of perfection all the time, even though I've professed not to be doing that. So hello, I've gaslighted you. Exactly. It's, it's all gaslighting and it's all confusion. And I just, you know, I really do feel like we need to be helping people understand this more and being aware of the fact that when you're on social media, this is what you're going to be exposed to and how we can kind of navigate that. Because even though we do talk about social media literacy a lot, I don't think much of it comes from this angle. Yeah, this idea of social justice. Yeah, no. (laughs) And awareness. I mean, weight bias particularly is so poorly understood and not discussed enough. So it really is something, a conversation that needs to be had and thinking that needs to be done because, yeah, it's not just about your right to be in a bikini on Instagram. It's about so much more than that. Send it to your mum. Send it to your boyfriend. (laughs) You know, send it to someone else. You don't need to post on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's great. I wanted to mention, because you brought up a really good point just a little while earlier about social media training and like, how can you kind of, everyone wants to increase followers, millennials want to increase followers, that's fine. But how do you do it in like an ethical way, a responsible way, like an aware way? And the beautiful thing about the internet is that you meet all these different kinds of people. I've met this amazing person called Kelly Deals, D-I-E-L-S, and she runs the Feminist Marketing School. Okay. Yeah, it really sort of takes people through how to market your business in a feminist way. So that means, you know, in a way that's going to protect women and not treat them like commodities. And I found, you know, stuff with her just incredible and really amazing. So if anyone is wondering, I would say go and get some help from her because she's awesome. And it also, there is, I imagine there's a large body of, you know, knowledge in this group already. And maybe we just all need to connect and collate some of it. Like, it's not that the knowledge doesn't exist. We've just got to get it out there more. Mm, Yeah, good point. Like a kind of a think tank of social media in a responsible way, in a, you know, what do we do without the bikinis kind of thing? (laughs) I believe Christy Harrison did a how to make a body positive brand. I think that's on EBRD Pro, but I don't think it necessarily talks about Instagram. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. The information is out there. It's a matter of, I guess, of caring enough to to do that kind of stuff and to take responsibility. What a great conversation. This has been so interesting to hear what it's like in the world of millennial marketing. Yes. It's it's never ending and it's relentless, but you know, it really identifies, it identifies some more work for us to do in this space. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess too, there's, I just always just think that there's just a lot of help coming from the millennial space as well, because there's some fierce people in the body positive arena who have come out, who are millennials, who are just doing all of this kind of stuff, breaking barriers and doing things totally differently. So I'm inspired. 
Yeah, and it is really about finding those people and following those people. And, you know, even though Noom are relentless with their advertising, you can do things like show me less posts like this. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it just takes kind of active feedback to Instagram around the fact that you don't want to be seeing these kind of things. Mm, mm. It is interesting that they won't leave you alone though, like just what's going on. I know. Mm. It's everywhere. They get me on every single platform. You will relent one day. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you for everything you do in like standing true to yourself as a millennial anti-diet dietitian and showing your clients and your followers because, you know, you do have a good following. So what you're doing is having an impact and an influence and we just need more and more voices like yours. Yeah, and it definitely it definitely grows and you definitely do make a difference and that's it's knowing that even though the numbers aren't as high as they may otherwise be, I always think it's quality over quantity. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So hashtag say no to laxative tea. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much, Megan. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Awesome. Take care. Oh, thank you so much, Megan Bray, for coming on and clearing up all of that millennial weight loss crap. My God, it's so good to know that you are in the world, a millennial health professional standing up against the tsunami of bullshit that is modern millennial weight loss marketing. So thank you everybody for listening to the All Fired Up podcast. I keep on getting more and more wonderful messages and rants and comments about various aspects of diet culture. And I'm so heartened to know that all of this stuff is getting out there and impacting on people's lives, often in a really empowering and positive way. Because You know, yes, this is a rant, but really it's an empowering rant because it's only when we start to see diet culture for what it really is, to call it out and to push back and the world really change in a meaningful way. So thank you. You really do keep me going. And of course, if you're loving the All Fired Up podcast, please make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss them when they pop out every two weeks. And please go to iTunes to leave a really lovely five-star rating and review so that this message can get out to more and more people. If something about diet culture is really grating on your nerves, please let me know about it. Send an email to louise at untrapped.com.au and have a really good rant. And we'll see if we can bring you on the show or get to talking about this topic because this is what I'm passionate about. I love hearing everyone's ideas from all corners of the planet. So please get in contact. And as I mentioned last week, I have started a blog. So not only is there a fortnightly podcast, but there's me blogging on a weekly basis, ranting and raving about various aspects of diet culture. And so if that's your cup of tea, go to untrapped.com.au and read the blogs and give me some feedback, see what you think. And if you like it, you can sign up for the blog updates so they'll come popping straight into your emails each week. And of course, the All Fired Up podcast is brought to you by Untrapped, which is our wonderful three-month masterclass here to help people escape from diet culture once and for all. So if you're struggling with maybe chronic dieting or body hatred, or if you're just so over all of the rules about food and exercise, but you're not sure how to kind of unlearn them, Untrapped is the program for you. It is amazing. The Facebook community is incredible. And I love seeing all the support that our members are giving to each other. And I love the support too coming from all of the anti-diet health professionals who help create and grow Untrapped. So if you need help, please consider coming to join us in Untrapped.
Okay, so that is everything from me this week. I can't wait to be back with you in a fortnight with a fresh steaming pile of diet culture manure that we can rake through. In the meantime, trust no one, think critically, push back against diet culture, untrap from the crap. 